Welcome to episode three of The Pocket. Tonight we will be talking about Tua Tagovailoa, wildcard games, and natty predictions, as well as our off-topic takes. It is Madison and it is Parker, and this is The Pocket. Hello, and welcome back. Happy, Happy New Year's, everybody. Happy New Year. It is now a, not just a new year, this is a whole new decade. It is. Which means uh, the sports moments of the decade list is going to have to start over, uh, you know, just for the end of, uh, you know, whenever, 10 years down the line, whatever we're doing, we'll have to make another top moments of the decade list. Perfect. I'll start planning right now. Perfect. So yeah, welcome back to episode three. If Parker and I sound a little different, because both of us are fighting off a head cold right now. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, fun fact: it came from like two different places. Madison got sick, and then like uh, right when I was leaving to go to the Outback Bowl, the uh, entire band got like a phantom like. I don't know, cold, it was like whooping cough or something, nothing that serious, but like, everybody was getting sick, so, uh, you know, if our voices sound a little bit deeper and sexier, it's, uh, you know, it's a cold, it's, it's, it kind of sucks. Yeah, so that being said, let's just get straight into our off-topic takes. You can go first. You want me to go first? Okay. Uh, so, as a young lad who is who has grown up with technology for most of their life i've been uh on social media for a while and i can now safely say that twitter out of all of the social media platforms is the best in between uh news uh all sorts of controversies and uh just everything in between uh you know with like you know hot comebacks and uh people calling other people out on twitter twitter is the place to be when it comes to just about anything uh you know if any sort of internet debacle goes down or feud it all goes down on twitter which makes it just funny to watch so uh yeah instagram and facebook and snapchat have nothing on twitter that's my take yeah, I can agree with that because I feel like a lot of other social media platforms content ends up on Twitter. Like all the funny TikToks, they end up on Twitter. If anything funny is said on Facebook, it ends up on Twitter. If, you know, there's a Snapchat going around, it ends up on Twitter. A lot Everything of the, other than Instagram. A lot of the, like, top Twitter moments of the decade were all Vines. Yeah, so it's a bunch of other social media content being forced into Twitter. Everything except for Instagram. Yeah, that's, yeah, I can agree with that. I think the big debate, like, if you have a debate, it's between Instagram and Twitter. I would also choose Twitter, even though I probably spend more time on Instagram. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I've low-key, like, become addicted to Twitter over the past couple of weeks, and that's when I kind of made this decision. Well, I love that very Gen X off-topic tape. Also, a lot of sports stuff happens on twitter a lot of sports like parody accounts and stuff like that and just funny fan pages and whatnot quality t- twitter content so if you're not on twitter 
you should get a Twitter and you should follow at the Pocket Sports on Twitter. Wow, that's a perfect plug. But yeah, I do get most of my sports news from Twitter. I have alerts on for all sorts of different reporters that I keep up with and things of that nature. So I think it's just a really well-rounded social media platform to get basically everything that you could need. Exactly. Yeah. So my off-topic take is vastly different from yours. And it's that Coach O is not hard to understand at all. Mm, that's a very hot take. I feel like, one, kind of biased. But two, I feel like I can understand him because I am half Cajun. So it's kind of just in my DNA. But I feel like, just in general, he very rarely says things that you can't understand when it comes to interviews and stuff. If you're just listening to like him coaching and things of that nature, I can see where you would say that but during his interviews and stuff i feel like everything he says is pretty understandable you know why his face looks so red and like interviews and stuff it's because he's concentrating so hard to sound understandable that's not true i mean i think so uh there's a great video also on twitter that madison sent me and it was a video of coach o uh during one of the practices and she said I'll give you 5 bucks if you can tell me what he's saying when he was when he's yelling at his players I have no idea how they're the number 1 team in the country with a coach that sounds like that cuz I love you Eddie but oh my goodness if you were yelling at me I would I I I don't wouldn't know what to do man I catch myself sitting on the couch translating what he's saying for the people around me just because I genuinely can understand what he's saying I feel like it's not that hard. I I mean, in interviews, I feel like I miss a couple of words. But, like, on-field interviews, I have the worst time. I don't know why. But, you know, you can always understand that he says, Go Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> That's his new catchphrase, which we love that. So, jumping right into some of our topics for today, we're going to talk about the National Championship coming up, what's going down there. Mm-hmm. We're going to... Do a little debriefing on the Tua situation, what he just announced this morning, and we're going to talk a little bit about those wild card games. So, just to get started, we've got the Natty coming up a week from the day we're recording this, less than a week from the day that this podcast comes out. Here we are, Tigers versus Tigers, Death Valley versus Death Valley, two historic quarterbacks. What are we thinking? Ooh, what are we thinking? I don't know. This is going, this is the most favorited Heisman winner ever versus touchdown Jesus. This is going to be a battle of the offenses, in my opinion. Uh, We both know that LSU and Clemson's offenses are just forces to be reckoned with. So it's not going to really be... How's the offense going to do and how many points they can put up? It's going to come down to the defenses of these teams because, like I said, we're talking about the uh, record holder for um, all sorts of different stuff. And like I said, what uh, people and the person who people commonly uh, and affectionately refer to as touchdown Jesus. I mean, we're talking about quarterback powerhouses here and it's really just going to be up to the defense to, uh, you know, see whoever wins. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like, Both of the offenses are so incredibly strong. Um, Just to recap what both of their semifinal games 
were like LSU completely destroyed Oklahoma 63 to 28. Like complete annihilation. I don't think anyone really expected it to be that high. It's never been that high. So here comes Joe Burrow breaking even more records. He had a record game. He threw for 493 yards, had seven touchdown passes, and his efficiency rating was 239.77, which surpasses Tua's officially. See, I don't know what any of those numbers mean, but all I know is that they're big and that he was doing spectacular in that game. He was doing crazy. He was doing so well that he got benched in a playoff game, like a semi-final playoff game. It's just, he broke so many records. He just continues to, he keeps outdoing himself, which is crazy. But that's not to belittle Trevor Lawrence, who has never lost a game in college, which is so incredibly intimidating. He is referred to as Touchdown Jesus because that's what he's so good at. So far, he's thrown, or recently, I guess you could say, he's thrown for 201 passes without any interceptions. That is astounding. Like, that's consecutively. 201. That's what we're sitting at right now. That's, I guess, a record LSU's hoping to break. That's a record that I read on Twitter as well. I'm telling you, man, Twitter, it's fire. He would be the first quarterback to win three straight championships in college. Which would be impressive. Yeah, I think the records are... I think it is going to come down to the defense. Both offenses have shown so much. I didn't even talk about Clemson's game. Clemson played Ohio State, and they won 29-23. to And Clemson is very much a bounce-back team where they play it low and slow, first half of the game and then second half is when they come in all hot and heavy and they sneak up on you so that's what I think LSU has to watch out for I think that LSU has to like stay grounded LSU's hyped up to be in this national championship as they should be whereas Clemson of course they're hyped up it's a national championship but they've been there before they've been there the past few two years they're used to what they're going into whereas LSU has to really lock in and focus and those defenses is what it's going to take and I know that Clemson showed a lot of Clemson showed a lot of issues in their game defensively that I'm sure LSU is going to hone in on and try to take advantage of those things. But I think that's what it's going to take in order for the Bayou Bengals to pull this out. I think that LSU can't sit around and wait for Clemson to give up because they're not going to. They're not that kind of team. And that's what a lot of teams have been doing with LSU this year. LSU's going to have to fight until the very last minute, and Clemson's just going to have to bring it ten times to overpower Joe Burrow and what his offense has been doing and completely, if possible, shut that down in order for them to win. Mm-hmm. I hear you on that one. I guess, you know, like I was saying earlier, the key for both teams is going to be defense, 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 because, ooh, I mean, with these offenses that are, you know, top-notch compared to these in my opinion, pretty mediocre defenses. Um, you know, it's going to be a game of whose offense can hold together the best. And I'm kind of 50-50 on this, uh, but on, you know, who's going to win this game. But uh, all I can, uh, I'm going to go ahead and give my prediction. And I think that the Tigers are going to win this one. Good one, good one. Love that. You will win that, I bet. Okay, great. I gotta find somebody to 
bet money with on that then. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I, as an LSU fan, I'm scared. Like, as a fan of one of the teams going in there, I am nervous for LSU. I feel like LSU is up on their high horse. I think that they are excited for what's going on and all of those things. But I don't want them to go in and get too over their heads. But every time I think that, Joe Burrow just comes out of the gate and, like, totally surprises me. Overall, I think it's going to be a great game. And I'm so excited to watch it as a fan of LSU and just a fan of college football in general. I think, you know, we're getting half of a fresh start to the playoff. It's not Alabama-Clemson again, but Clemson's still there. So I think that'll be good. I'm just really excited for it. And I can't wait to see what happens. I got to say, I think that this game is going to be, I think this is the best possible matchup for as far as a good game went, even though low-key I kind of wanted Ohio State to go because I just didn't want to see Clemson in it again. But I'm really excited for this game. I think it's going to be really exciting. All right, so topic number two for the day. Tua, the man, uh, the football star from Alabama, uh, as everybody knows, he got injured playing Mississippi State. Uh, pretty significant injury. It sat him out for the rest of the season. Uh, you know, he missed, not only did he miss the Iron Bowl, but he missed the bowl game too. Uh, a lot of, you know, Bama fans and uh, a handful of college football fans say that, you know, Bama could have won the Iron Bowl if Tua was there. Uh, but, you know, the big speculation now after his injury and after the Iron Bowl was, is Tua going to the draft? Uh, a lot of people were hoping that he would uh, continue his uh, career at Alabama, finish out one more year, and uh, have just another season with uh, the Crimson Tide where, you know, I feel like I'm not the only person with this opinion, but I feel like if he had played another year of college football, that would have been career suicide as far as NFL goes. Because, uh, I don't know, it just seems like the there's more energy and hype and aggression with these younger college football players. And, you know, it, how fragile it seems Tua is, especially recovering from a surgery, there's no guarantee that he would be, you know safe from injury playing one more year of college football. So it was pretty 50-50. Nobody knew what was going to happen. And then uh, today, Monday, when we're recording this, uh, Tua and Coach Saban held a press conference. And Tua announced that he was going to be going into the draft. Now, there's a lot of speculation on uh, where he's going. There's a handful of different teams. Uh, I know that... uh, I personally think that he's going to be going to the Dolphins, and uh, I think he'd be great on the Dolphins, uh, just because, uh, you know, they just beat the Patriots recently, and if they had that kind of teamwork and a good quarterback, I think that they could rise up, and Tua would be a really good addition on that team, but the other two teams, I believe, some people are saying he might go to the Chargers, and some people are even saying that he might even go to the Patriots. So, Madison, what are you thinking? Yeah, we did a poll on our Instagram. Follow us at the Pocket Sports on Instagram if you want to be involved in some of these polls. Sick plug. And we posted 
seconds after he announced it. What do you think? What are y'all's opinions? We had a few people, half of the people came in with the Dolphins. Half of the people came in with the Patriots. And there was one Dolphin person who was like, maybe the Chargers if he's lucky. I'm really not sure yet. Right now, the Dolphins and the Chargers are sitting around the 5-6 spot on the draft charts. The Patriots are sitting down at 23-24 based off their wild card games and such. I'm not super sure. I I would love to see him go somewhere like the Patriots. I think that would be really good for him. But I just don't think he's going to sit there through 20-something rounds of draft picks. I think that Dolphins Chargers is a good spot. I think the 5-6 spot is a really good spot for him. I think that the Dolphins would be a really good place. Personally, this is super random, and I haven't done a super... I haven't done a whole lot of research about the draft, who's going and all of that, because right now I'm just honing in on the end of college football and the NFL playoffs, and then I'll start actually looking into that. But I would love if it would be possible for him to go to the Browns. I think the combination of OBJ and Tua would make a great combination there. I think that it would benefit the Browns even more. Even though Baker's there, you know, I feel like adding that competition to Baker would make him a better player. I think that would be the best spot for him. Right now, I think the Browns are sitting around the 10 spot. I'm not so convinced that Tua wouldn't stay in for 10-hole draft picks. I think it's possible just based on his injury and stuff. And we're not super sure on what's going to happen with his injury. There will be a few more medical reports before the actual draft happens. And when Tua did his press conference today, he got up and went to the podium, didn't have any crutches, didn't have anything. He wasn't even limping. He looked really good. I know he did an interview recently with Laura Rutledge that said that he's doing great. He's been throwing the football. He's recovering really well, and that's great for him. And I think that if he can get fully recovered or 90% recovered before that draft, it's definitely going to help his stock. I would love for him to go somewhere like the Browns. I think that he's probably in between a 5 and 10 draft pick for sure, and we'll just have to see what the official order is once the season's over. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I think it was the best thing for him to go ahead and go to the draft because despite his injury, everybody knew that. He was going to be a pretty high pick. Like, there's just no surprise there. Yeah, and aside from the poll that we did on our Instagram, we had one DM come in with a particular take on the Tua situation. And the take was that Tua getting injured is the best thing to ever happen to him and will ultimately result in him having a more successful career than Joe Burrow. I have a bone to pick with this. Yeah, uh, I mean, I do too. So, why don't you lead off with this, uh, the resident Joe Burrow expert? As a Joe Burrow fan, I'm upset. As, if I try to take my bias side out of it, I do see where this is coming from because there's a big chance that Joe Burrow's going first to the Bengals. And that's the thing with the NFL draft is the number one pick isn't going to a great team. That's kind of the whole point. Whereas Tua, getting this injury, is holding him back from being that one, two, three spot. It's giving him a little bit of fluctuation to not be with the worst team, not be with the best team, but be somewhere kind of in the middle where they can work with him and really get him involved in the team. And I understand that point of view when we're comparing Tua and Joe Burrow. And I think they're both really good quarterbacks. I think that Joe Burrow is just 
hungrier for it than Tua is from a personal opinion. I do think that Tua's injury ended up benefiting him in the long run, even though it caused him to sit out a bunch of his, what would be his last few games at Alabama, and I'm sure that sucks on a personal level, but career-wise, I think that it is what's best for him. I think that it opened his eyes to what he needs to do to really take care of himself going into the NFL, and will get him a better NFL draft slot than what would have happened if he hadn't been injured. Yeah, I hear you on that. Uh, you know, I th- I kind of have a little bit of a theory right here that might prove this uh, listener wrong. Here's what I'm thinking. As you said, Tua might get a pretty mediocre team. And, you know, not the worst team, not the best team, but something that he can work with and he feels like if he sticks with it, you know, for five plus years he could get a, uh, you know, he could turn that team into something decent, right? Than what he started off with. What I think Joe is going to do is he's either A, going to go to some place like the Bengals and uh, is going to turn that program around, or he's going to go with the Bengals, uh, you know, chill for a handful of years uh, and wait for his contract to be up and then free agent to uh, a team that can better utilize him and maybe has some better players, which will push his career forward because... Joe Burrow, with his stats, his records he holds, his Heisman, he is way too much of an asset, you know, for another football team. I I just don't get where this listener is coming from, so uh, I'm going to have to respectfully disagree with this hot take. Yeah. So just talking more about the NFL, let's talk about a few of these wild card games. So... It's a wild card weekend for the books, that's for sure. So just a really quick rundown on how the NFL playoffs work is that, you know, you've got the two sides, the AFC and the NFC, and so the wild card round has four teams from each side that play against each other to earn their spot into the divisional round. So only four of those teams will go onto the divisional round and play four teams that have already been chosen and gone straight to the divisional round because they have the first and second seed of the division. And then from there, you go to your conference, you play for a conference championship, and then in between the conference championship and the Super Bowl, there's the Pro Bowl, and so on and so forth. And so this time, this weekend, we had the wild card round, which were all the teams that were fighting for that spot to get into what I would call the official, official playoff round. So, the first game that we're just going to talk about real quick is the Seahawks and the Eagles. They're from the NFC side. Eagles were the fourth seed, and Seahawks were the fifth seed. I didn't really agree with those seedings because the Seahawks had 11 wins and the Eagles only had 9 wins. So, this game ended up Seahawks winning 17-9. to It was just your good old football game. There was not really that much to talk about other than the Seahawks won, and technically... I guess you could say it's an upset because they were fifth seed, Eagles were fourth seed, even though I disagree. I don't think with those anybody seeds. was surprised. It really just is what it is. Neither Parker, I really have that big of an opinion on it. So, Nope, not really. We're going to jump on over to the AFC on the other side of the country. We've got the Bills and the Texans. That game was super interesting. Uh, the outcome was Texans 22, Bills 19. The big spotlight of that game is that the Bills were down or I'm sorry, excuse me, the Texans were down 16 points 
through the middle of the game, and then they were able to come back and tie it up and force them into overtime. Which they then won in overtime. Exactly. So, with a field goal. That's, it's still impressive. I mean, you know, pushing it into overtime from such a deficit is really, really good. And, you know, that's just kind of like what you want to see for a team trying to fight into the playoff to show that they're made of something and that they can really, you know, hammer out a win when the, you know, going gets tough, you know? Similar matchup that was going on. The Texans were fourth seed. Bills were fifth seed. Both of them had 10 wins, 6 losses. It was a super equal team as far as those stats go, which is what this whole thing is based upon. And it was just really cool to watch that bounce back. Anytime an NFL game goes into overtime, I think it's great. It's a really good time. And we had two of those happen this wild card round. Mm-hmm. And so the next game we will be covering is... A very, very uh, interesting Vikings versus Saints game. Now, I know that a lot of Saints fans, like myself and Madison, were, I don't know, pretty upset with the performance of the Saints, and uh, so was one of our listeners. Of course. Yeah, we got another DM that had a list that the Saints really didn't deserve to win. They played possibly the worst she's ever seen this season, and the Vikings played great. The Saints coaching staff did a terrible job with time management in the last drive of regulation. They went into OT with a timeout in their pocket, which is just unacceptable, and I completely agree with that. Um, she just wanted to add that she is one of the biggest Saints fans out there and that this game was just embarrassing. And as a fellow Saints fan, I completely agree. Drew Brees did not play like Drew Brees, especially Drew Brees in the Dome. It was just kind of disheartening just to watch it all unfold and they put Hill in and Hill did great and that's fine and wonderful but Drew just really didn't live up to his standards going into the end of regulation time and still having a timeout you just don't see that happen you don't do that I don't know what was going on everyone thought that the Saints were going to win and not only did the Vikings win in overtime they won in overtime by a touchdown but it was another controversial touchdown Oh, yes, a very controversial touchdown with another no-call, which a lot of fans uh, seem to be claiming as a no-call, with a penalty that you don't see every day, an offensive pass interference. Now, an offensive pass interference, like I said, you know, you don't see many of those. Uh, Just to, you know, kind of make this quick, basically, the Vikings receiver, who was in the end zone, uh pushed full arm extend which is part of the rule uh and pushing him away also something i saw on twitter a video get posted where they were like see this is another no arm pushing and extending the saints defender away and you could see his head like and obviously uh that was the same catch that uh made the winning score for the vikings so Another very controversial game, but at the same time, I don't think we would have had to, uh, Saints fans would have had to resort to, you know, talking about a no call if the Saints had just played like the Saints are capable of playing. Yeah, I think that's why, as of right now, Saints fans aren't really making a big deal out of it because, like this listener said, the Saints really just didn't deserve to win in a lot of their opinions. The offensive PI wasn't called. 
it was one of those things. The NFL now reviews every play based on what happened with the Nola No Call. And this one was reviewed so quickly that Saints fans are claiming they didn't even know that it was reviewed at all because of how fast the review went. And there's just a lot to unpack there. I really don't have the right answer. From the angles and how quick everything happened, I can't definitively say whether or not I think it was an OPI. It's really hard to define it unless you have a camera right on those arms right when it happens, in which in this case we don't. We just have the far angle from the quarterback's view, the over the head, and then the pylon and things of that nature. We don't have anything that's super up close that can show us. The refs didn't think that it was close enough to even remotely throw a flag for or anything. From that moment, Kyle Rudolph started celebrating, and that was the end of it. Yeah, I mean, I do say that it, it, to me, it looked like offensive PI, but at the same time, it shouldn't have resorted to that. I think the Saints should have played a better game if they really wanted to win that one. But, uh, yeah, very, very interesting game. Uh, a little bit disappointing, but uh, probably the most interesting game of Wild Card Weekend. I think anybody you ask could agree. We're talking about the Patriots versus the Tennessee Titans. Yep. Now, this is hands down the biggest upset of the wild card weekend. Um, what's crazy to me, crazy to me, is that the Patriots had just come off of a disappointing loss to the Dolphins, which most people would kind of consider to be one of those more mediocre NFL teams. Uh going straight in which is the reason why they got put into a wild card game and then uh losing to the titans by an even bigger margin than what they lost to by the dolphins uh it's it's ridiculous it that it was one of the craziest things to watch like i i was in shock i was in total disbelief when i saw that yeah, I agree. It's a similar situation as the Viking Saints when it gets down to, like, the seed numbers. Titans were the sixth seed. Patriots were the third seed. Patriots had 12 wins. The Titans only had nine. And they're playing in the Patriots stadium. Going in, it's going to be easy peasy. It's Tom Brady. Tom Brady's been in the Super Bowl a million and one times. It was just one of those things where, like, let's get it done, wipe our hands, move on to the next, but no. And you know why? Derrick Henry. Yep. it's He's 100% credited. I mean, everybody could have, who watched the game could have seen why, but he's definitely credited with uh, carrying the Titans to victory for sure. He had some pretty impressive stats on that game uh, from what I could have, you know, seen on the TV that day, but, you know. And, you know articles or whatever but uh yeah it it was just a big carry by him and a little bit more you know maybe they would have won but i don't know man okay <laughs> if you don't go look at i think it was a lot of derrick henry being an sec boy of course derrick henry was a huge leader for the titans and no one really saw this coming and honestly now that the saints are out of the picture i might be pulling for the titans uh i mean yeah Anybody who beats the Falcons, which is most anybody, uh, good in my book. 
so true. However, now the Titans will face the Ravens, who have the number one seed in the AFC. And I would absolutely love for some upsets to happen now that I don't have a dog in the race. I just love when underdogs come back and they take that, and that's something that I would surely love to see. Yeah, so for me right now when it comes to all of the playoff stuff, uh, I'm not putting money on it or anything, but uh, I'd really like to keep my eyes on the Titans and see how well they're going to do. All right, so that just about wraps up Episode 3 of The Pocket. Uh, I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners, uh, and a huge thank you to everybody who's been active on our socials, especially Instagram. We do a lot of uh, polls and uh, questions on there. And uh, to the people who've DM'd us, you know, it gives us a little something extra for us to talk about on the pod and kind of makes it a little bit more interesting to hear from y'all because sports brings people together and uh, we love hearing what you guys have to say. So thank you very much for that. Of course. Yeah, we love all of our listeners and watching all those stats go up. And then we love whenever we get DMs and interactions on our, our on all of our polls and stuff. It's, you know, Parker and I, neither of us are experts. We're just here to have fun. And so since we're the ones doing all the heavy lifting with the mics and the recording and the editing, we'd love to get y'all's little opinions in there every time that we can. And so just thank you for listening to this one. And uh, if you want to be part of all of this, be sure to follow us on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Both of those are at The Pocket Sports. And uh, we will see you next week, everybody. Bye. Goodbye.